Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for your goodness and mercy and love which you have graciously bestowed upon all of us. The evidence of this we see in the fact that we have life and not just life but you have supplied to us good health and the basic necessities of life. Glory be unto your name, O Lord. Once again, Lord, we, we have come to fellowship with you and abide in you. Your word has said that without you we can do nothing, that we ought to abide in you. And we pray that as we go through these words, that your words will abide in us and build us up into the most holy faith. Grant us of your spirit, put your words in my mouth, that the words spoken shall help all of us to become more like our Savior Jesus. Do this for us and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, October 28 Nothing Too Costly For the love of Christ constraineth us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 Christ delighted in the earnest desire of Mary to do the will of her Lord. He accepted the wealth of pure affection which his disciples did not, would not understand. The desire that Mary had to do this service for her Lord was of more value to Christ than all the precious ointment in the world because it expressed her appreciation of the love of the world's Redeemer. It was the love of Christ that constrained her. The matchless excellence of the character of Christ filled her soul. That ointment was a symbol of the heart of the giver. It was the outward demonstration of a love fed by heavenly streams until it overflowed. The work of Mary was just the lesson the disciples needed to show them that the expression of their love for him would be pleasing to Christ. He had been everything to them and they did not realize that soon they would be deprived of his presence, that soon they could offer him no token of their gratitude for his great love. The loneliness of Christ separated from the heavenly courts, living the life of humanity, was never understood or appreciated by the disciples as it should have been. Their after-knowledge gave them a true sense of the many things they might have done for Jesus, expressive of the love and gratitude of their hearts. When Jesus was no longer with them, they began to see how they might have shown him attentions that would have brought gladness to his heart. They no longer cast blame upon Mary but upon themselves. Oh, if they could have taken back their censuring, they are presenting the poor as more worthy of the gift than was Christ. They felt the reproof keenly as they took from the cross the bruised body of their Lord. The same want is evident in our world today, but few appreciate all that Christ is to them. If they did, the great love of Mary would be expressed, the anointing would be freely bestowed, the expressive ointment would not be called a waste, 
nothing would be thought too costly to give for Christ. No self-denial or self-sacrifice too great to be endured for his sake. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Nothing Too Costly. Once again, we will look at the story of Mary, the sister of Lazarus, with respect to Jesus. Here in John 12, verse 1 to 3, it says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly. So take note of those words. John describes this ointment of spikenard as very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. The story goes that when she did this, the disciples of Jesus, specifically Judas, who was the one that made that comment, said that she was wasting the ointment. Now here was Mary using her money, hard-earned money, to buy something very expensive. And what was it used for? It was used to anoint the body of Jesus. But how did Judas perceive it? And he influenced the rest of the disciples uh, to also perceive it that way. He felt that using your money on Jesus was a waste. And trying to appear more righteous than Mary said that that money she spent on Jesus should have been used to feed the poor. So here is some sense of righteousness, Mary's own and Judas' own. But Jesus rebuked Judas and said, Let her alone. You have the poor always with you. And he justified what Mary did. One of the lessons we learned from this incident is that we are not to consider anything as too expensive to lavish it on Jesus, on God. The nature and value of the offering we give to God determines the extent to and is an index of how much we value Him. Those who value Him greatly will bring great and expensive gifts that cost them great sacrifices, and those that value Him lightly will bring cheap and invaluable gifts that they can easily part with that cost them not so much and with, without feeling its absence. Jesus said that Mary had done what she can do. What was it that she could do? She could understand how valuable Jesus was and decided to purchase a perfume at great expense to herself and lavished it on Jesus. Like I said earlier, the gift, the cost of the gift you give to Jesus is an index or a measure of how you value Jesus. In economics, we are taught that the price of a thing is determined by the one who wants to buy it. The value of a material is determined by how much you are willing to pay for it. As for Judas and many of the disciples that were there, Jesus wasn't as valuable as that perfume. The poor were more valuable than Jesus. But as far as Mary was concerned, if there's anyone who deserved such an expensive gift, who, 
who was more valuable to her than the poor, it was Jesus. Have we done what we can do? Jesus said that Mary had done what she could do. What can you do? We can give our best gifts to Jesus. One thing that really hurts me so much is this. When parents are unwilling to give their best gifts to Jesus, one of the best gifts that parents have is their children. And I have seen several times where parents find it a hard thing to permit their children not to necessarily be so-called pastors, but to be missionaries. They see it as a waste of life, a waste of time, a waste of resources. Do you think that your child studying the word of God and wanting to be a missionary is a waste of resources? Well, that only goes to show how much you value Jesus. You are more willing for your child to be the world's great man than for your child to be like John and Peter, James and Andrew, Philip and Nathaniel who left all they had and followed Jesus. Let me just remind us, Peter was in the midst of his greatest business when Jesus said, follow me. He caught fish like he had never caught before to the point that his ship was sinking. And it wasn't just him. There was Andrew, there was James, there was John with him there. And Jesus said to them, follow me. They didn't say, oh, let me conclude this business before I follow you. They left all and followed him. Mary went to get this oil of spikenard very costly and expended it on Jesus. What are you willing to expend on Jesus? You have gifts, you have talents. What is it that seems very dear to you? What do you own that seems very costly to part with? Behold the example of Mary. She bought an alabaster box at great expense, but not for herself. She bought it so she could use it to anoint the body of Jesus. We have only one life, and therefore, we have only this opportunity of this life to do for Jesus what we can. The dead do not praise God. It is now that we are living, that we are like Mary, to show our love and gratitude for Jesus by bringing our best and expensive gifts to Jesus and for Jesus to anoint him. What actually is the thing that we value so much? Whatever it is, ask yourself, even if the Lord does not request it from you, do you love him enough? Do you value him enough to give him that thing? When people are asked, what their most prized possession is. Do you know what the answer is? You may never guess it right. So let me give you the top 10 things that people say is their most prized possessions. Number one on the list is, guess what? Family photos. And number two is their home. That's the house. Number three, the wedding ring. Number four, the engagement ring. Number five, the family pet. Number six is photographs of deceased relatives. Number seven, jewelry. Number eight is the car. Number five, number nine is the smartphone. And number ten, childhood pictures. These are the top ten. But I'll keep going. We go down eleven. We have laptop. Then photographs of of their significant other. Then children's artwork. Photographs of deceased friends. Clothes, books, tablet, baby clothes, a favorite book, and then we have parents' wedding rings. Did you notice that there was a lot of picture, picture, picture? Number one, family photos. Number six, photographs of deceased relatives. Number nine, childhood pictures. Number eleven, photographs of, of a significant order. 
Number 12 is not a picture but something related to it, children's artwork. Then again the next one, photographs of deceased relatives. What does this tell you about what we value the most? Do you think it's the picture the people value or the people in the picture? It is not the picture but the people in the picture. That picture is only valuable because of who is in it. So I can say that the prized possession of people is people, is their own lives. People know that what they prize the most is their children, their wives, their own life, their relatives. Apparently we can see this, that on the top of the list has things to do with family. The reason family photos are top of the list is because the people in the photo are actually the most valuable possessions that people have. No one will select a photo over the real person for sure. If I say this family picture or your child, which one would you choose? Of course it's your child. The family picture is only valuable because that your child, your wife is in it or your husband. The husband, the wife, the son and the daughter, the father and the mother, these are the most valuable things to us. Now the question is, can we willingly, even if we are not asked to, sacrifice these things for Jesus? Or maybe I should ask, does Jesus deserve these valuable treasures? Look at your baby in case you have one with you right now. Look at your spouse or your children. Can you, without being asked to, break them as a perfume and lavish them on Jesus because of the love that you have for Jesus? Whatever your answer is, I want to let you know that you should be able to and I will tell you why. The fact is that for us, our own life is the most valuable thing that we have and that is why God requests it from us. But that life was given to us and secured for us by Jesus' death on the cross of Calvary. But in order for our lives to be secure, he had to give the most expensive gift to us, his own life. Romans 8 verse 32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen. When God gave Jesus to the world, he gave to us the best gifts. Reading from Science of the Times, April 23, 1894, paragraph 1, we are told, When God gave Jesus to the world, he gave all heaven in one rich gift. God made it manifest to the world, to angels, seraphim and cherubim, that his gifts could not be excelled, for in the gifts of Christ all was given. End of quote. And for this reason, God says to you and to me, Proverbs 23, verse 26, My son, my daughter, Give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Amen. What does it mean to give God your heart? Give him your life. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. You see, God is not interested in the gifts of those who will not give him their lives. Before we can break the material alabaster box, we must first settle in our hearts that there is no gift acceptable to God if we don't give him first the gift of our heart and life because that is the most expensive thing that we have. Every other thing in this world belongs to God. The gold and the silver, they are his. 
money and all of that, God doesn't need them from you. He owns them. But the most expensive gift that is at your disposal is your life. And is there anything too costly to give to God? Is your life too expensive? Your skills? Do you think that using them for God is a waste? That is how the disciples of Jesus felt when they saw, Je- when they saw Mary using that perfume on Jesus. To them, the poor was more valuable than Jesus. But, like I said, God is not interested in all those material things when you have not given him your life. Proverbs, reading from Psalms chapter 50 from verse 7, God says, Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. I do not reprimand you because of your sacrifices and the burnt offerings you always bring to me. And yet, I do not need bulls from your farms or goats from your flocks. All the animals in the forest are mine, and the cattle on the thousand hills. All the wild birds are mine, and all living things in the fields. If I were hungry, I would not ask you for food, for the world and everything in it is mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Let the giving of thanks be your sacrifice to God and give the Almighty all that you promised. Call to me when trouble comes and I will save you and you will praise me. But God says to the wicked, Why should you recite my commandments? Why should you talk about my covenant? You refuse to let me correct you. You reject my commands. You become the friend of every thief you see and you associate with adulterers. You are always ready to speak evil. You never hesitate to tell lies. You are ready to accuse your own relatives and to find fault with them. You have done all this and I have said nothing. So you thought that I am like you. But now I reprimand you and make the matter plain to you. Listen to this, you that ignore me, or I will destroy you, and there will be no one to save you. Giving thanks is the sacrifice that honors me, and I will surely save all who obey me. Hear those last words now. I will surely save all who obey me. Again, this same sentiment is repeated in the book of Micah chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. God says, With what should I enter the Lord's presence? With what should I bow before the sovereign God? Should I enter his presence with burnt offerings, with the year-old cows? Will the Lord accept a thousand rams or ten thousand streams of olive oil? Should I give him my firstborn child as payment for my rebellion? my offspring, my own flesh and blood for my sin? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what the Lord really wants from you, he wants you to carry out justice, to love faithfulness and to live obediently before your God. In the King James Version, of course, it says that he wants you to do justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly before God. And I like this one that says, to live obediently before your God because that's what it means to walk humbly before God. Amen. Reading from Youth Instructor, July 12, 1900, paragraph 11, we are told, Christ delighted in Mary's earnest desire to do the will of her Lord. He accepted a wealth of pure affection that his disciples would not understand. 
The desire that Mary had to do this service was of more value to Christ than all the precious ointment in the world because it expressed her appreciation of the Redeemer. It was the love of Christ that constrained her. The matchless excellency of the character of Christ filled her mind and heart and the ointment was a symbol of the overflowing love of the giver. It was the outward demonstration of a love fed by heavenly springs until it overflowed. Amen. End of quote. How do we show our love for Christ? Nothing will be too costly to you for you to give to Jesus if you loved him. And it is not something that he will force you to do. Jesus was not seen requiring of his disciples, Do you not love me? Would you not give me this? Would you not give me that? He was quiet, even though he knew very well that these disciples did not appreciate him as they should. But then, when Mary came and gave a great sacrifice to the Lord and they rebuked him, that was an opportunity and he showed them, No, don't rebuke her. She's doing the right thing. To show that he appreciates when we appreciate him by giving to him our best and costly gifts. And I repeat, the most costly gift that the Lord wants from you is not the oil of spikenard, no matter how much money you have. If you are giving money to the Lord, but you are still living a life of disobedience, then your gift is not accepted by God. Mary, what God delighted in, like we saw, is that Mary had a desire to do the will of her Lord. That was what he was appreciating. It was not the oil. It was not the perfume that he was appreciating. I read it again. You'd instruct on July 12, 1900, paragraph 1, paragraph 11. Christ delighted in Mary's earnest desire to do the will of her Lord. He accepted the wealth of pure affection that his disciples would not understand. So what does God really delight in us? No matter how much money you spend, whether in church buildings or sponsoring evangelisms, what God really wants from you is your heart. The cattle on the thousand hills belong to him already. What Jesus was actually accepting from Mary was not that oil they were seeing physically, but what he was accepting and delighting in was that this lady desires to do my will. She wants to live for me. And that oil, that perfume was only a symbol of that. Same thing with us. Let our desire to do the will of God show, first of all, by a life that conforms to the life of God. Romans 12 verse 1, like I read before, God says to us, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And the Lord says it, that we should do what? Cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit and perfect holiness in the fear of God. That is the offering that he wants from us. A life of obedience. That is the spikenard and very costly oil that we are to give to the Lord. And then we can go after that to give our resources to the Lord. Our money. When we do that, it's an evidence of a heart that is given over to God. Are you withholding your skills from the Lord? Do you think that it is a waste of your skill to take out time and sacrifice your time and your skills and your abilities to use for the glory of God? It's all your choice. No one is going to force you, just like no one forced Mary. It's something she chose to do because she considered what was more important to her. She could have said, yes, I will give this money to the poor. 
but she didn't. She said, no, I will give it to Jesus himself in anointing his body. It's all in our hands. The ball is in your court. How you choose to spend your time, how you choose to use your resources, your money, your talents, your energy, your skills. Would you use it for God? Then it will show that you value him above other things. Would you use it for something less, maybe for the poor? And you may be like the disciples who think that Jesus doesn't deserve it as much as the poor. But God is trying to make us understand that we should value him more than any other thing in this world. Reading from Desire of Ages, page 564 and for paragraph 4 and downward, we are told, Christ values acts of heartfelt courtesy. When anyone did him a favor with heavenly politeness, he blessed the actor. He did not refuse the simplest flower plucked by the hand of a child and offered to him in love. He accepted the offerings of children and blessed the givers, inscribing their names in the book of life. In the scriptures, Mary's anointing of Jesus is mentioned as distinguishing her from the other Marys. Acts of love and reverence for Jesus are an evidence, listen to this, acts of what? Of love and reverence for Jesus are an evidence of faith in him as the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit mentions as evidences of woman's loyalty to Christ if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. That's First Timothy 5 verse 10. Christ delighted in the earnest desire of Mary to do the will of her Lord. He accepted the wealth of pure affection which his disciples did not, would not understand. The desire that Mary had to do the service of her Lord was of more value to Christ than all precious ointment in the world because it expressed her appreciation of the world's Redeemer. It was the love of Christ that constrained her. The matchless excellence of the character of Christ filled her soul. That ointment was a symbol of the heart of the giver. It was an outward demonstration of a love fed by heavenly streams until it overflowed. The work of Mary, like we saw, is what the disciples needed to show them what they needed to be doing for Jesus. End of quote. And it's supposed to show us to what we need to do for Jesus. Do not consider it anything at all that you think is expensive. Do not consider and say that it's a waste when it is used for Jesus. I remember some times when I would go for evangelisms and some people would call me and tell me, why are you wasting your time? And other times, I remember somebody calling me, asking me, how about your degree? Man, that your degree is wasting. If I had it, I would have made so much money by now. I understand. It depends on what Christ is to you. Does Christ mean more than the world to you? If he does, it will not hide. It will show. You can't fake it. You cannot pretend about it. If you love him, it will show in your actions. It will show in your character. It will not be about how much money you are making, but how much am I spending on him? What did Mary do? She spent. And just because she wasn't getting money out of what she was doing for Jesus, that, was not, that did not mean that she wasn't going to do it. She considered Jesus to be more valuable than herself, than her money. And she decided to spend her money on Jesus. Are you among those who consider people who are doing missionary work to be wasting their time or wasting their resources? Or do you consider the equipments bought 
to use for evangelistic efforts as too expensive. That's one thing we should be careful about. While we try to economize, be careful not to give stinted services to the Lord. The work of God does need very costly things like what Mary did for Jesus. The Bible tells, tells us that what she bought for Jesus was a perfume that was very costly. There are things that are needed to show your love for Jesus and to do what he wants us to do in giving the message of truth to the people whom he died for, heirs of salvation. And the things needed sometimes are very costly, very expensive. And don't tell yourself, oh, this thing is very expensive. Do you love Jesus? If you have the money, then spend it. If you don't, then I understand. Give what you can. Do not withhold anything. Why? Jesus gave his life for us. But it's not something I can or anyone can force you to do. It's only an, an index of how you have valued Jesus in your heart. It's not everybody who values Jesus the same way. Some value him more than others. And that's how Mary showed that she valued him more than others. Reading from Zaha of Ages, page 565, paragraph 4 and 5, we are told the words spoken in, in indignation to what purpose is this waste brought vividly before Christ the great, greatest sacrifice ever made, the gift of himself as a propitiation for a lost world. The Lord will be so bountiful to his human family that it could not be said of him that he could do more. In the gift of Jesus, God gave all heaven. From a human point of view, such a sacrifice was a wanton waste. To human reasoning, the whole plan of salvation is a waste of mercies and resources. Self-denial and wholehearted sacrifice meet us everywhere. Well may the heavenly host look with amazement upon the human family who refused to be uplifted and enriched with a boundless love expressed in Christ. Well may they exclaim, why this great waste? But the atonement for a lost world was to be full abundant and complete christ's offering was exceedingly abundant to reach every soul that god had created it could not be restricted so as not to exceed the number who would accept the great gift all men are not saved yet the plan of redemption is not a waste because it does not accomplish all that its liberality has provided for there must be enough and to spare end of quote amen this reminds me of the money that we spend in evangelism we lavish a lot and i and then towards the end of it or even all this podcast we are doing and all the energy and all the effort used to push forth the word of god and to what purpose is this great waste somebody may say even if it is only one soul that is saved that soul is valuable enough why because there is no time I will spend, there is no energy I will put in, there is no money I will spend, there is no skill I will put in that can be in comparison to what my Lord Jesus has done for you and for that soul. Even if it is just one soul, Jesus has died for that one soul and it is enough if it is just one person that will be saved by the death of Jesus. That is how expensive the soul is. And if we are not willing to spend to save our own souls and the soul of others, then we do not have the mind of Christ. We must come up higher. We need to have the mind of Christ. All heaven, like we have read, may also ask to what purpose is this great waste? 
Look at the blood of Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary for the whole of humanity and how many of the humans are going to be saved. Just a few of them. That blood is a waste for so many people on this earth. But I must ask you the question and I should ask myself too. Is the blood of Jesus a great waste on me? Is it a great waste on you? Was it too costly for him? It was. It is the most expensive gift and the greatest sacrifice that can ever be made. But is it going to purchase anything? Is your body, your life, is it going to be purchased? Well, only you can give an answer to that question. If I give my life to him, which is the most expensive gift for me to give, then the blood of Jesus will not have been shed in vain on my behalf. And if you do the same too, his blood will not have been shed in vain and it will not be a great waste. But then, we also should consider in light of what Jesus has done for you and for me, should you consider it a great waste when you give your life to him and when you spend your resources for the salvation of others? Should you consider that a great waste when you use your skills for the Lord and all your energy and your mind to plan out ways to reach out to people and give them the message of truth, to bless the fallen humans around you, do you consider it a great waste when you use your time? Time is a very expensive thing because that's what your life is. When we say give your life, we're actually saying give your time. Uh, life is measured with time. How much of the time do you give to Jesus and to fallen humans whom he died for? It is not just say, oh, I'm giving my time to Jesus. To give your time to Jesus means to give your time to humans. How can you love Jesus whom you have not seen when you have not loved man who you can see? That's what we are told in the word of God. I think that should be First John chapter four reading verse 20 how can you love god whom you have not seen when you have not loved man do you love god god is saying to you feed my sheep leave don't, don't worry about me i can take care of myself that's what jesus is saying i want you to feed my sheep give them the word let them be saved i have shed my blood for them and for you to do that you must give your life to him because it will require your time it will require your resources. It will require your money. It will require your possessions. And when you use all these things, your mind to study the word of God and all the resources, you will be giving your life to him. And it will not be too expensive. It wouldn't be too costly. Let us consider this. And let us not make the death of Jesus on the cross to be a great waste for us. It wasn't too costly for him. It shouldn't be too costly for us when we consider that he died to save us from our sins and he died to give us life that we don't have so therefore it is no big deal for me to give life back my life to him who gave me life and i pray that it won't be a big deal for you also let us pray thank you dear father for sending your son to die on the cross of calvary for our sins i've always prayed for this and i still pray lord the only way we can show gratitude to you it's not by bulls and rams and oils and perfumes, but by giving you our life. But many times we fail, Lord. We live a life not in harmony with your will. We find it too costly to make changes in our lives. We find it too expensive to do things that we ought to do in the reforms that we ought to make in keeping your commandments. Lord, please forgive us. Now we pray. Transform our lives like your word has said that we should present our bodies. Lord, we present our bodies to you. We cannot make it holy or a living sacrifice. Please, Lord, take our lives, for we cannot keep it. It is your property. Keep it pure, Lord, for your sake. 
save us in spite of ourselves, our weak, unchristlike self. Make us to be in the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that our lives may be a sweet-smelling sacrifice unto you. Do this for us. Save us from the defects of our character and heal us from our sinful maladies. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Lord, take my heart, for I cannot give it. It is thy property. Yeah.